Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Normally. High fly ball, deep left field, oh, 27, does it again. For this year. Wall sends it well out to left center field. And it's gone! He went to Jared! Way diving catch, Jolendale! This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels baseball. You listen to All Angels Podcasts. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Garcia. So we have a lot to talk about over this last three, four days since the last podcast has aired. Obviously, the Angels in Kansas City going against the Kansas City Royals for a three-game set. But not only that, we have roster moves. We have injury updates on Mike Trout. And some of the news that came out before Wednesday's games has a lot of people concerned about the future of Mike Trout's health with the Angels. And we'll talk about that, obviously, at the end. We also have questions. We have voicemails that were left by fans like you. And we'll get to those questions as well. But before, like every other podcast, let's get into the series summary. And like I mentioned, the Angels in Kansas City. Uh, finishing up this road trip that started after the All-Star break, obviously just taking one victory from Atlanta, now going to Kansas City, a team that is actually not doing well at all, kind of in the same boat as the Angels, a little bit worse record than the Angels. And I said on the last podcast, it is very important if there's any kind of hope for them to be buyers, not even necessarily them getting a wild card spot, but for them to be buyers at the deadline to help them go after that wild card spot they needed to come out of here and sweep the royals again royals not doing very good this year this should be an easy sweep but like everything this year nothing comes easy for the angels and unfortunately the very first game was a snapshot of that so let's get to that first game on monday the angels went out with noah Syndergaard on the mound a guy that could very possibly be making his last start as an angel this season. And there's a question about that at the end of the podcast when we take your voicemail. So hang on for that. But he's on the mound. And obviously, anytime he's on the mound, you're hoping as an angel fan for a good outing, not only because of the chance of winning the game goes up, but if the angels are seriously going to consider trading him, his value goes up and maybe the Angels get a little bit better of a prospect coming back to them. So in this game, it was pretty much a pitcher's duel. I mean, you have Noah Syndergaard versus Zach Granke. If this matchup was 
four or five years ago, it would have been all over ESPN. This matchup of two great aces going at it, but it is what it is. Zach Granke, obviously, at the end of his career. Noah Syndergaard trying to have a great second chapter in his career going against each other, and it did pretty much turn out to be a pitching duel with both teams putting up zeros all the way to the bottom of the sixth. And there is when the Kansas City Royals first get on the board. They were able to put multiple base runners on after getting two quick outs. So the first two batters of the sixth inning, bottom of the sixth inning, got uh, one struck out, one flew out. So Noah Syndergaard still seemed to be on this roll. He was, again, pitching very, very well up to that point, but he lets the, the the two out curse, I guess you can say, it always seems like whenever a team has any kind of run against the Angels, it always seems to be with two outs. And this necessarily wasn't a huge run. They end up scoring one run in the bottom of the six and make it uh, 1-0 Kansas City. But that would be all for Noah Syndergaard as he was unable to get out of that sixth inning. He had the bases loaded and Phil Nevin came in and talked to him and, you know, it it looked like he was going to give Noah Syndergaard that chance to get out of the inning, which I think as a manager, you, you should, especially someone like Noah Syndergaard who wants to compete and can compete at that very high level. And let's be honest, he was rolling up until this point. So I had no problem with him giving him that one last um, chance to get out of the inning. But unfortunately, his very first pitch to Michael A. Taylor was a single that ended up scoring Emmanuel Rivera and making the score 1-0, like I said. Aaron Loop came in, was able to get the next guy to strike out. So they did a good job of limiting that damage from Noah Syndergaard. Noah ended up finishing with five and two-thirds innings pitched, six hits, that one run, two walks, six strikeouts, all on 96 pitches. So again, I understand why Nevin kept him in. I understand why Nevin gave him that shot. And for the most part, you know, Noah did a very good job of limiting the damage. And then Luke came in and closed out that inning. A one-run game should not be the end-all, be-all. But it just seems like with this offense, the Angels have been producing over the last handful of months. It just seems like when one team gets a, a run late in the game, it just, even if it's just one, it just seems like it's almost like a death nail for the Angels. And the Angels were not able to respond to that at all. But then we go to the sit bottom of the seventh inning. And again, this is all happening with a 1 0 uh, game. And you just figure to yourself that Angels need to get something going. Just put hits together. It's only a one run game. This game could still be very, very winnable. But with Aaron Loop still on the bump, again, he got the last out of the six. With him on the bump still, he was, he ended up giving up back-to-back hits to start off the seventh inning. His first one was to Whit Merrifield. That was a double. Andrew Benatendi comes up with a single. He ends up getting the strikeout of MJ Melendez to get the very first out of the inning. Well, he gets taken out after that where Ryan Tapera, a guy that another one of these guys, both Loop and Tapera, I mean, you probably all heard it. Two guys brought in this year to solidify that bullpen, to make that bullpen one of the best in baseball. And at the beginning of the year, they actually did a very good job. And for whatever it is right now, it's usage or just, you know, relievers are the type of pitchers that 
once things start going, they just start going. And there's not really a, 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 a rhyme or reason why that happens, but uh, it just does. And so Ryan DePera comes in. Very first batter, he throws a wild pitch, which allows everyone to advance. Ends up walking Hunter Dozier. And on that ball four is another wild pitch, which allows Whit Merrifield to score, making the score 2-0. And at this point, again, 2-0, you just you you have a feeling that it's not the end all be all, that there's still hope and there's still a chance to come back in this game. Well, after an intentional walk to load up the bases, um, the Angels give up another run. Luis Renjifo misplays a ball, which allows Andrew Benatendi to score. But I guess luckily he is able, Luis was able to rebound from the misplay and get Kyle Isabel trying to sneak to get a second run home. So Angels end up giving up a run and also getting an out of that inning. So now you have two outs down 3-0. Again, still very possibly a doable, reachable you know, run total for the Angels. After a walk to Nick, uh, Nick Pareto, uh, again, uh, Michael A. Taylor comes up and gets a two RBI single to make the score 5-0. So in a matter of one inning, the score went from being 1-0 and being very, very manageable to now you're looking at going into the eighth inning with two innings left to get any kind of offensive production uh, from a team that has been struggling offensively, and now they have to score five runs. Obviously, that did not happen. The Kansas City Royals would add two more in the bottom of the eighth and make it the final score 7-0, and just not a great outing by the bullpen, not a great outing by um, the guys following Noah Syndergaard. Again, Loop had his troubles. Tapera had his troubles. Even Austin Warren came in for that last inning, giving up a two-run home run uh, to end the game. But, you know, it just even magnifies this even more that how important it is to score runs early. Not only does it help your starting pitcher, but you have to feel that it gives these bullpen arms a little bit more of a relaxed feeling and not so stressed out trying to grip the ball too hard, trying to be absolutely perfect and they're able to really command better. Cause it just, it really does seem like in my eyes and I have no, numbers behind it but just watching the games overall this season it does seem like this bullpen does pitch better when they have a lead and they're able to be more relaxed and more confident in what they got because they know a a mistake isn't going to kill them but when you're already down 3-0 or 4-0 any little run there it makes that that win probability even less and it just seems like they're trying a little bit too hard so the angels again Really spoiled a good outing by Noah Syndergaard. Again, he went five and two-thirds, six hits, one run, two walks, six strikeouts. So it'll be really, really interesting coming up on the trade deadline on Tuesday, August 2nd, if Noah Syndergaard's still with the Angels. And like I said, there's a question about that um, from a voicemail that we are going to listen to later at the end of this podcast. So now, after dropping the very first games, the question is now, how do the Angels bounce back? They had a great outing with uh, that last game out in Atlanta against the Braves. Hopes were high that they were going to be able to get things done here in Kansas City, and then they dropped the first game. What's going to happen now? And with Jose Suarez going on the mound 
on Tuesday, obviously there was a lot of uncertainty coming into that game from the fans' aspect of it. Jose has shown a couple of times, and you know, even more so going back to last year, that what he's capable of on the mound. There's been times where he's come in in relief and done really, really well. And there's times where he's been a starter and you're just wondering to yourself, where was this or where did this Suarez come from? You know, like, and not in a good way, not in a good way. He, he just had a great starter, a great appearance, and he gets, you know, the opportunity to start again. And you're just wondering why is he not able to carry over the success he had previous to now? So a lot of questions going in to this game on Tuesday against the Kansas City Royals. But luckily for the Angels, in the top of the third, Shohei Otani gives the Angels that very important early lead. That's out towards center field. That had a good sound to it. That's got some carry. Back at the wall. It is gone. That was Shohei's 21st home run of the season, and the Angels would add another run in the top of the fifth when Phil Gosselin was on third base and a wild pitch was thrown by Amir Garrett while Shohei Otani was at the plate. Uh, Phil Gosselin comes home. Now it is a 2-0 lead for the Angels after the top of the fifth inning. And like I mentioned before, anytime you can get these guys, you know, runs early, you just have to feel like the stress of having to be perfect pitching-wise just kind of goes away. And it seems like they do the best work when that pressure is off. And that's exactly what happened with Jose Suarez. He ended up getting into the sixth inning, but started it by hitting Nicky Lopez by the pitch, his the very first batter of the inning. After getting a fielder's choice, he ends up giving up back-to-back singles by Andrew Benatendi and MJ Melendez. And from that, that's when Nevin pulled the plug. And and I think at a good time, again, he is a guy that it it, it seems like once stuff starts moving down that that line where people are getting hits and they kind of figured him out the third time through the lineup that he is a guy that you might want to pull a little bit early. But they end up pulling Jose Suarez, Jose Quijada, a guy that has been sleepy good so far out of the bullpen for the Angels this year. And it's kind of funny when we look at some of the guys who have been good out of the bullpen this year. A lot of them aren't guys that the Angels spend a lot of money for out of that bullpen. They're guys that have come up through the system or guys that have been traded while they were younger and then became in the system. It just seems like for a lot of teams, it's it's very, very risky to spend big money on the bullpen. And you can always have a, a, a guy like Quijada or an uh, Austin Warren last year come up and surprise. And those guys, you know, uh, money isn't that expensive. And you're able to build a very good bullpen without spending a ton of money if you know what you're doing, you know what to look for, and you're able to develop players. Hopefully now going forward, I know they spent the big money on Rossell Iglesias, and he's going to be with the Angels for a little while. But hopefully... After that, they're able to really start scouting relief pitchers better in the system or even, you know, minor league guys and other teams that they're able to maybe get over in trades and and control that budget out of the bullpen but still get very good production out of it. And I think that's what really, really helps teams late in seasons is that not only is the bullpen productive, but they're young and cheap and they can do it for a couple of years. It is very, very risky to, to do what the Angels did this year. And, and invest money and, and good money on guys that have been good but have been good for like three, four years. So you always feel like at some point it's 
kind of like at that roller coaster. It's going up, it's going up. Sooner or later, it's going to go over that hump and go downhill. So hopefully they're able to do more stuff with like with Jose Quijada and really invest in the younger relievers in the system and help that sustain a bullpen that, again, was looked at to be a, a strength coming into the season, but when the free agents that they brought in didn't perform to the way they were expecting, it definitely fell apart. But Jose Quijada comes in and was able to get the next two guys out to get out of the inning and uh, and clean up Jose's mess for that for lack of a better term. But Jose Suarez finishes with five and a third innings, giving up three hits, only walking one, and three strikeouts. And the three strikeout thing was really good too because if you watch the game, he put a lot of balls in play, a lot of ground balls, a lot of soft contact. And for a guy who can get his pitch count up very quickly, it seems like he was perfectly fine pumping the zone with with sliders especially. It seemed like his, his usage of the slider ticked way up and if you know anything about what has Reed Detmer's kind of re-emerging is the youth use of that slider so maybe that is a common thread between these pitchers that are young and coming up through the system is relying more on that pitch that is a very good pitch but like I mentioned Jose Suarez three strikeouts put the ball in play a lot a lot of ground balls and I think that might be the way he needs to perform going forward. Not so much worried about getting the strikeout because I think at times you'd work, you worry too much about trying to dot the I's and, and get the corners and be too fine on the corners to get swing and misses or you're trying to tease a batter to get a swing and miss and next thing you know you went from 0-2 to now a full count and now your pitch count's way up. He might be the guy where if he can just – maintain just getting soft contact all game long he's gonna have his pitch count very manageable like this game that could be the the key to a good future with jose suarez again another young pitcher in the angels organization that i think people feel like he's been around long enough but he's still very very young and i think this last two games in the series between him and uh and junk uh are a very good example of young guys just still trying to develop and still trying to come into their own. But he had a very good outing. Uh, Jose Quijada comes in again and finish off that sixth inning. Well, in the top of the seventh, Angels already up 2-0, get even more breathing room when Luis Renjifo comes up to the plate with the bases loaded. Oh, that's excellent piece of hitting for Luis Renjifo down into the corner in left field. Sierra scores. Otani scores. Two-run double. It really does seem like Luis Renjifo is making a very strong case for him not to only get every day at bats this season, but putting his name in that hat for next season as well. Again, another guy that is very young, a guy that might just need an extra year or two to really develop into a everyday major league player. And I'm not saying Luis is going to turn around and, you know, in the next two or three years be an all-star, but it does really, it really does seem like Luis has been working on everything from putting the ball in play to his defense, just to be a everyday second baseman. I, you know, I think shortstop, he could probably play there in a pinch or every couple of days, but I think 
obviously his bread and butter will be at second base. And again, like I mentioned, he's 25 years old. I know he seems like he's been around forever. I know it seems like that trade that should have been that wasn't was forever ago, but he's only 25 years old. He is still a very young player. And like, like I said, Sometimes it just takes some players an extra year or two, but he is making a very, very strong case to stay in this lineup right now and stay in this lineup next year. And people have oh, you have been asking, obviously, about the Otani thing. And I think stuff like this with Luis Renjifo stepping up and possibly taking that next step forward will give the Angels even more encouragement or more... Uh, confidence in going after Shohei Otani and offering that large extension because if you don't have to worry about your second base and shortstop position because you're going to have a David Fletcher and a Luis Renjifo there and you're comfortable and they are legit major league players again they don't need to be all-star type players but they can't be the guys that are like uh, Andrew Velasquez and uh, Taylor Wade and 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 um, Phil Gosselin and stuff like that good players Good players, but they're not everyday major league players. And if you put them in that situation where they have to be everyday players, your team isn't going to get very far. But if Luis Renjifo and David Fletcher can prove that they are everyday players at those two positions, now you can invest money into Shohei Otani, offer him that big deal, hope that he stays, and not really lose anything on the back end as far as a hole in the lineup. But Luis Renjifo, you have to start feeling comfortable about what Luis Renjifo has been doing over the last month plus at the plate and in the field. And he is one of, you know, obviously the Angels are in a situation where they're probably not going to make the world or the, the playoffs. But as you watch, one of the reasons why I've been watching is what's going to happen with some of these younger guys going forward. And I think a lot of what's going to happen between now and the end of the season will determine what's going to happen in the offseason. Luis Renjifo is one of those guys to watch. Even if you're mad at the Angels for losing all these games, watch Luis Renjifo because if he's playing really well and he's doing really well, there's a good chance that he's going to help this team going forward, and that's something to definitely get excited for. So after that um, two-RBI double, uh, Max Stassi lines out, uh, Jared Walsh, gets an intentionally walked and so you have joe adele come up with the bases loaded he ends up getting hit by a pitch to force in a run to now make the score five zero angels he would be taken out uh if you saw the game it, it did seem like he got it right on that elbow right where the funny bone is and if anyone's ever hitting their funny bone hard on a desk or a chair or, or anything like that you know the sensation uh kind of that numbing sensation it did definitely look like he had that feeling with that ball that hit him on the elbow i think it was like a 92 mile per hour fastball so joe did get taken out of the game he did not play on wednesday but it does not seem to be serious at all um but we'll have to wait and see with that but like i mentioned after seventh inning the angels were up five zero and they would end up adding one more run in the top of the ninth, so the cap off a 6-0 victory against the Kansas City Royals. And again, it was a very good game all around. I think, honestly, you talk about some of the storylines from this game on Tuesday especially. You, you can look at the pitching. The pitching was very well, but there's also, there were also a lot of movement on the base pass. There were still a lot of guys... Um, attempting to steal bases and actually just flat out stealing bases. And that's something that 
the Angels have been really, really lacking this season. And part of that is they just did not have the personnel for it. Let's be honest. You know, for the majority of the season, who would be your base stealers? Um, obviously, Brandon Marsh would be your base stealer your leader. You have Velasquez and Wade when they're when they're on base, but those guys didn't get on base enough to actually steal bases. And I think that's the same thing with Brandon Marsh as of late. He can steal bases. He just needs to get on base to do it. But with uh, Sierra, Magnurius Sierra, another young 26-year-old outfielder that the Angels brought up. Again, the offensive bat needs a little work. But when he is on the base pads, as you saw on Tuesday, he is a definite threat. Ends up stealing two times, two bases this game. Adele had a stolen base. Otani had a stolen base. Ward even had a stolen base. So they had a lot of guys moving, which is something very rare. But now if you have Joe, now you have Brandon, now you have Sierra. Those three guys can really steal your bases. Otani, he can steal your bases too. I'm just not the type where I want to overdo it with Otani. He's already doing so much, and so much can happen with him trying to steal bases. We've seen that from Mike Trout, how he jammed up a thumb, or you've seen guys, how they can jam up a leg trying to steal bases. And Mike Trout seems like his stolen bases, even when healthy, his stolen bases days are behind him. He hasn't even tried maybe once this season. So this team has not really ran at all this season until till this game, but at the same time, they really haven't had the personnel uh, personnel to do it. And maybe now with the personnel they have, guys getting on base more, now they'll be able to steal bases and put pressure in, on the defense, which they did a lot in this game against Kansas City. Another plus in this game, something that we <laughs> we have as fans have not seen in a very long time. The Angels struck out only twice, only twice this game. And obviously, you know, their struggles with uh, striking out all season long, lead the league in strikeouts. And for them to put a game together where they only struck out twice was pretty remarkable. Yeah, Shoyo Otani strike out the very first uh, plate appearance of the night because he's in the leadoff spot. And then you don't have anyone else strike out again until Brandon Marsh replaced Joe Adele after him getting hit in the seventh inning. So I believe his first at bat was in the eighth inning. So you had pretty much seven full innings of non-strikeouts and that is something very rare for the angels and it was really reassuring to finally look up in a box score and look at the angel stats and and see that they actually walked more than they struck out they walked six times in this game and only struck out twice so that was a very pleasant stat to see do i take anything from that as far as long term no again i guess as fans we have to be really really careful about sample size and how much we look into a single game because there's been plenty of times where the angels look really really bad and you know you always hear sample size it's one game it's one game and you got to think about it the same way too if it's only happening once you have to see it again three four times before you can actually start taking any kind of serious data away from that but it is good to see that they only struck out twice again angels win 6-0 on tuesday to split the series 1-1 and then they go into wednesday's game to try to get the series win the try to get the very first series win since i believe late june when they were out in uh, chicago facing the white Sox. so a lot has happened since then 
uh, and a lot of it not good. But the Angels went into Wednesday game trying to get that series sweep, and they would recall Jansen Junk from the minor leagues. Unfortunately, they did have to send down Austin Warren and the corresponding moves. So hopefully Austin can get right. He did look frustrated coming off the mound the last couple times um, he's been out there. You have to wonder if the health is still an issue. Obviously, he's been struggling with, you know, the freak injury with his nose out in Fenway. And then I believe it was an oblique injury um, just recently and him coming back from that. He has been very good in the past. And you're hoping whatever it is, he can get right down in Salt Lake and come back and be a really good contributor in the bullpen. But Jansen gets the start on Wednesday morning and he had an absolutely gem of a game. And was able to give the Angels innings coming into this game. Coming into this game, I was not sure what was going to happen. Was he going to go, you know, five innings? Was he going to go, you know, three innings and give up four? But Jansen had a very, very good game. And the Angels were, again, able to score first to give him a little bit of a um, breather, a little bit more of a uh, calming effect, if you will, because in the top of the fifth, Phil Gosselin triples, and Kurt Suzuki comes around to score. You realize what happened. Out towards right field, did Gosselin get enough of that to get over the head? And he did! It gets over the head of MJ Melendez. Kurt Suzuki's going to score, and Gosselin with an RBI triple, one nothing Angels. The very next person at bat was Brandon Marsh, and he ends up singling into a ball to left field, and scoring Phil Gosselin. And that might get it done. And it will, in fact, do it. Little flare, single, RBI. So that would make it 2-0 after the fifth inning. Again, um, Jansen Junk, really, really good outing. I don't know if people expected this, but again, it seems like these younger guys are now starting to step up. Granted, like I said before, it's a small sample size. It is... Also, Kansas City, a team that has a worse record than the Angels. But you have to feel confident that it's something for them to build on. But I wouldn't take too much from it yet. I would love to see it against a better team. And maybe the next time through the rotation, it will be against a better team. But it, you you can't help to feel a little bit warm and fuzzy inside, if you, if you will, when you see some of the stat lines from these starting pitchers over this series. I mean, we can even go back to Noah and how good he pitched on Monday. But I would love to see it with the next series against the um, Texas Rangers. And I think that would be a really good test. The Texas Rangers are better than I think a lot of people thought. Obviously, their offense is um, Seager and Simeon and some of those guys have really been able to pick up that team this year, and that's the next team coming up. But still, a very, very good outing by um, Jansen Junk. He ended up going uh, five innings, giving up four hits, only walking one with eight strikeouts, a career high in strikeouts. So again, he did all that on 86 pitches. I'm not sure what his pitch count limit is or if he had one, but it seemed like the Angels were pretty confident in him going a couple times through the lineup and then uh, turning it over to the bullpen. And that's exactly what they did. The Angels would again add more runs in the top of the seventh when Andrew Velasquez does this. 
Squid with a squib. Oh, that's a high throw, and it gets away. Marsh scores. And Velasquez going all the way to third to throw, not in time. Uh, so Dylan Coleman tried the underhand and just lost it. So it's all about taking advantage of other teams' misplays or misfortunes. And it seems at times the Angels don't take advantage of that. But that's exactly what happened here when what looked like an easy out at first base turns into a, I, I mean, I don't know how they scored it. Well, they scored it a single and then obviously he advanced on the air. But Andrew Velasquez gets all the way to third on that air. Doesn't stop running. I will say that about Andrew Velasquez. You can say what you want to say about him his offensive prowess, his his ability to put the bat on the ball, if you will. But he does not stop. And I think that motor shows a lot in the defense, and it shows when he is on base, running the bases. Again, another guy that is a threat stealing bases, but because of the lack of offensive production, just doesn't seem to have enough opportunities to do it. So, yes, his offense really is lacking. But I think you can, without a doubt, have a very good – uh, feel about his hustle and and want to and I think as fans that's something really cool to to see and kind of feel it through the TV. Well, the very next batter was Shohei Otani, and of course Shohei comes up clutch in this situation. Or no, that's right up the middle, Otani. There's an RBI, and that is all the Angels would need in this game, winning the game, winning the series for zeros, and also giving Jansen Junk his first career Major League Baseball victory he's getting the w this this outing and uh now his career totals he's one and one and again another young guy that i think the angels could possibly have a very good rotation with next year again it, everything's depending on them taking the next step but you have to feel comfort comfortable with what kind of what the base is for these younger guys um, the bullpen came in this game and did a very good job. You had uh, Wants come in for a inning, give, only giving up a hit, but striking out two. Loop and Tapera really, really bounced back after the rough outing on Monday, and then Rossell Iglesias comes in and shuts it down. Obviously not a save opportunity, but he has not been getting a whole lot of work as of late, so totally understand him coming in to close out the game. And again, Angels win this game and win the series against the Kansas City Royals, a team that they had to beat. I mean, I, you lose this series at Kansas City, and it just doesn't bode well for anything going into the future. And maybe that future is already written, but at least the Angels can say they're going down swinging. And, and we'll see how this momentum or if this momentum carries forward into the next series against the Texas Rangers. So Angels win two of three from the Kansas City Royals and head home back to Anaheim to start a series against the Texas Rangers this weekend. So there was a little bit of news right before the game on Wednesday, and it had to do with Mike Trout. Obviously, he has not played since before the All-Star break. He has this back spasm rib um, issue going on right now and it seems like it it has to do with where the rib meets in the back um, on the body so it seems to be kind of a tricky situation but where this all kind of started today Wednesday was when Sam Blum from The Athletic posted on Twitter a story that he wrote and this is what the tweet reads uh, it says regarding Trout 
Angels trainer Mike Foster said Trout's doing better post-cortisone, but it's unclear how long he'll be out, and there's concern it could be a while. He was diagnosed with rare back condition and might have to manage back his whole career. So that was a huge kind of ripple effect um, throughout you know, baseball and, and obviously throughout Angel fandom and Angel land and all that stuff was huge because anytime you say a rare blank, it's usually not a good thing when when it's talking about an injury. So it just seems like from that point, at that point before anything else was really answered again, this was like right before the game, I think, if I remember correctly. So it wasn't like you could go out and talk to Trout right away. You're going to have to wait till after the game to get his comments. But still, that's like a three, three and a half hour window where a lot of people's speculation, a lot of people's thoughts has kind of gone wild. And I can totally understand that. And, you know, this piece of the Angels puzzle, puzzle Mike Trout, is going to be a piece of this puzzle for a very long time. I think he still has something like seven or eight years left on the contract. And if this back is truly what it sounds like in that tweet, it is something that will make fans worry about the future of Mike Trout and obviously the future of the Angels. Well, after the game, Jeff Fletcher tweeted, uh, again, Jeff Fletcher, OC registered beat writer, just talked to Mike Trout. He said his phone is blowing up and it's all an exaggeration. He said he will play again this year, although he acknowledged he will have to stay on top of maintenance of his back. He's not concerned about his career, end quote. So obviously a lot of talk about this is a career ender. This is going to, you know, there's so many athletes, regardless of sport, that have injuries have cut short you know, their career. And I think a lot of people thought this was it for Mike Trout. Um, And then again, Jeff goes on and quotes Trout. I got to stay on top of the routine I do on a daily basis to prevent it from coming back. I feel good where it's at right now. Every day it's improving. I feel really good today, end quote. So again, Trout seems very optimistic about it, seems very positive about it. And Jeff Fletcher ends it with this, and uh, he, Jeff, asked Mike Trout, um, do you feel you'll play again this season? And this is Mike Trout, quote, of course, that's my goal, end quote. So again, Trout seems very positive, very upbeat about him coming back this year, but anytime you, you, you have a back issue, to me, is a little bit concerning. Do I think this is a career ender, like some people were saying? No, but Does this mean Trout finally does realize, hey, I need to move to a corner outfield spot? I believe so. Maybe not this year. Maybe this back thing kind of speeds up that timeline in his head. So maybe you see it next year. Maybe you see Trout in the outfield next year um, trying to save his body. But the one thing that I was really, I'm really interested to see how this all plays out is Shohei Otani. If Trout's back is something that he has to really manage for the rest of his career. In my eyes, that means not only does he need to take care of it, stretching and kind of doing that maintenance part of it, but he's probably going to need more days off in the field than he normally does. And the only other way, obviously, to get him in to the lineup on those days is a DH. But if you have a DH like Shoei Otani, you're not going to take him out. 
but you're also not going to sit Mike Trout. So I don't know if the idea of the front office moving Trout to a permanent DH in the future, again, in the future, I'm not saying next year, I'm not even saying two or three years from now, but it does seem like down the line at some point during the next seven, eight years of this contract, Trout will be a full-time DH at some time, some point. But if you give Shohei Otani this huge contract and he's there for the next five, six years, Shohei is, where does Trout fit in then? At a certain point, he's not going to be able to play the field anymore. He's just physically going to be kind of broken down and it's going to be too much of a toll on his body. And if Shohei's still around doing DHing, where does that put Trout? So does that affect the Angels' idea of going forward with Shohei Otani? Again, the trade deadline is less than a week away. It's on Tuesday. Do I think Shohei gets moved this offseason or this trade deadline? No, not at all. I think he finishes the season with the Angels. Next season, in the offseason, if this back thing for Trout continues to kind of rear its head and it shows that it's going to be a bigger issue than what Trout's leading on, maybe you you shop Shohei in, the, in this offseason. I don't know. And then Trout can move into that DH spot, and I think he'll do perfectly fine there. And then you can kind of, again, put him back in the outfield, put someone else in the DH spot to give them kind of a rest day. But this is very interesting, and this is something to kind of you know keep an eye out for. Again, Trout's been very, very positive about this, very positive. But you know, I think that is what you expect from a guy who's trying to get back. Um, no pun intended. But it's going to be very interesting to see how this happens and, and how this affects the team going forward. If this injury, again, if this injury is something that's going to, you know, be there for the rest of his career, you as an organization now have to make plans for it. Now have to think, okay, if this is such a big issue, where are we going to put Trout? You're not going to trade him because at that point, he's going to be owed a lot of money and a deal with a back problem. Not a lot of teams are going to take that. So how do I, how do the Angels get the most value out of Mike Trout? And obviously that's what the bat does. Obviously with him putting a DH and then now where do you put Shohei? So Again, this is this is a, a, the possibility. I'm not saying the big issue yet, as we record right now on Wednesday night. Don't think it's a big issue yet, but keep an eye out for it because I think it can be in the future. It can be one of these things where you're going to have an aging superstar like Mike Trout, who you owe, let's be honest, everything to. The Angels do. And you want him in the lineup because he's still producing at maybe not the All Star level, but he's still playing. He's still producing at a plus level. And then we can do a Shohei if he's there. So again, I don't think it's a big issue now, but it's, think it's something that could possibly be an issue in the future. So in this last segment of the podcast, we're going to take a couple of voicemails I got over this last week. And if you want to leave a voicemail, you can do it anytime. All you have to do is call into our voicemail line and the number is 951-384-0810. And the number will be in the description of this podcast. So go ahead and write it down, program it in your phone, and the voice line is open 24 hours a day. Uh, if you want to just leave a hot take, have a question, want to, re- want to react to a, to a game that just ended, whatever you want, and we'll re- replay it here 
on the podcast. So the very first voicemail is from Adrian. Hey, how's it going? My name is Adrian Weavis. I'm calling from Los Angeles, California. And uh, I just wanted to ask, what do you think or project about the trade deadline? If Thor, Noah Syndergaard will be traded or not? What's your opinion on that? My quick opinion on on that trade, I you know, I I don't I don't agree with it. I know that Thor pretty much is comfortable from where he's at. He enjoys being an angel. Um, you know, I'm just surprised he feels that way because I was just thinking the way the Angels have been ever since May, I thought he was already checked out mentally and ready to go. So if we could get if we could just get or keep Thor and hopefully by next season we can um, re- reproduce him, reprogram him to uh, be the same guy he was a couple years ago. That'd be great. But other than that, my other take, uh, I just hope they can turn it around. I know they're not going to be playoff down this season, but hopefully by 2023 they can compete and uh, grab some more talented arms and, you know, just figure it out. Thank you. Thank you, Adrian, for calling in. And yeah, obviously Noah Syndergaard with the trade deadline being on Tuesday is the best-selling chip the Angels have this year. And one thing that I have always kind of been skeptical of of players is when they say, you know, I don't want to get traded. I love it here. You know, I want to stay here. I think that's kind of them saying the right thing at the right time. And it is very possible that Noah Syndergaard does like staying in California, does like living out by the beach, and does like, you know, the Angels organization, all that stuff. But with that being said, still the Angels still need to trade him. Noah Syndergaard is going to be a free agent at the end of uh, this year. It doesn't do the Angels any good to hold on to him. If Noah Syndergaard or any guy that's on a one-year deal with the Angels that the Angels might trade. If any of those guys really want to stay with the Angels, guess what? They're going to be free agents. They can come right back to the Angels next season. So even if the Angels trade Noah Syndergaard, he's still able to come back next year if he wants, if he really does like the Angels organization. And same thing, if the Angels don't trade him and he does finish out the season with the Angels, you know, Noah could still be gone at the end of the year if the Angels don't offer him what he wants. So you know, I don't think it really matters if he gets traded or not. I don't think players really take that, you know, to heart as far as um, guys that are like on one-year deals that knew that coming into the year that this might be on only a one-year deal. But like I mentioned, if, if Syndergaard really does like it out in California and does like it out by the beach and all that stuff, then come back next year. Make, you know, it would have to be a very reasonable contract, I believe. But Still, I think they would be able to work things out, but they do have to trade them if they're getting serious talks from other teams about it. And as far as him not, you know, checking out of the season, even during this uh, long stretch of not great baseball, you know, it's plain and simple. It's because he's in a contract year, like I mentioned. He doesn't benefit himself or anybody if he checks out and doesn't perform well. And I think that's why the Angels are, are truly getting the best of what they can out of him right now. Obviously, it's not great. Obviously, it's probably not what a lot of fans thought it was going to be when he got signed in the offseason. But he does have plenty to to pitch for and plenty to play hard for. And I think he is definitely doing that for the Angels. He is doing the best he can. So we're just hoping that, you know, 
it does turn around and the Angels are able to get something out of it if they do trade them at the trade deadline on Tuesday. So again, thank you, Adrian. Appreciate the appreciate the phone call. Appreciate the voicemail. Appreciate uh, the question. Again, if you have any questions uh, or hot takes, you can always call the voicemail line at 951-384-0810. Our next voicemail comes from Brian. What's up, Halo Haven? This is uh, Blind Halos here, uh, calling in from Whittier. Uh, just want to make a little quick comment. I'm, I'm really getting tired uh, with, with Angel fans, um, you know, talking about how Artie Moreno doesn't spend and, and they need to spend more and, and whatnot. I think I think the main problem with Angels is that Artie is spending, but he's not spending in the right places. I think at this point, to be honest, spending more on the payroll isn't really going to help. I think it's time for for him and and you know the whole organization has, in, in general to start spending on player development and, and really really getting you know this farm you know back to you know the Stoneman era where where we had you know so many prospects lined up and you know had the ability to, to trade a, a couple of pieces to get you know some big guys you know but we got Dan Heron and whatnot so. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think everybody's frustrated right now with how the season has gone, but I think it's time to really stop, you know, telling Artie, you know, spend more money because obviously it's not helping. You know, you got a top 10 payroll in the league and, and, you know, nothing comes to show for it. I mean, this, this season obviously is such a, you know, so atrocious, but I think it's time to stop with the payroll. I think it's time to start, you know, building up that farm system. I am in that wagon that does believe that Osan needs to be traded, but you know we can get that to we can give that discussion another day. All right, thanks, appreciate it. Thank you, Brian, once again for calling into the voicemail line. Yeah, it, it is it is kind of crazy that you mentioned about the payroll. Yes, the Angels are definitely always up there in the payroll. So for the narrative of you know, Artie doesn't spend. He does. The issue obviously has always been, does he spend wisely and does he spend on the right things? And obviously that has not happened for the angels. And I've been saying for the past, you know, month, two months, three months now that teams are not built to win by just buying free agents. You need a solid foundation of good prospects, solid homegrown players that are going to contribute and are going to be very big uh, pieces of the puzzle and the angels just haven't had that over the last you know you can say five six years it seems like and now it does seem like they're starting to have a little bit of success in the minor leagues and have actually having guys in the in the minor leagues make some noise so that's a good that's a good you know turn of events for the angels but if you really going to get on Artie about him spending money, it's not so much on the payroll. It is stuff on scouting, international scouting, you know, in your minor league system, you know, get these guys, you know, places to stay, get these guys the right type of food to take care of their bodies. That's the kind of stuff that Artie needs to be really um, supplying money for, not, you know, the payroll, the next biggest free agent. You know, those guys are, are, are going to come around once – this team has proven that they have a strong young um, base of players that can contribute to a winning team. And then you can, you know, with the payroll, the angels have shown and you can pick and choose your, your free agents and they can be like the cherry on top. They can be the extra, but it does not, you do not build a team through free agency. And I think fans do really have to realize that, that coming into this next off season, 
everyone wants the Angels to spend hard on, you know, another pitcher, another bullpen arm, a, a shortstop. Let's slow down and let's think about it. What will this team look like if you invest heavily in, you know, free agents? And guess what? They've been doing that. It's going to look the same as, as, as it's been the last handful of years. You need to really, really invest in the minor leagues and let the prospects develop, not rush them to the majors. And I think Brian, again, makes a very, very good point as far as the Angels have like a top 10 payroll and it doesn't hasn't done anything there. So when people are yelling from the top of the roofs about artists needs to spend more money, I think it needs to be followed by in the minor leagues for developing for scouting, not necessarily free agents. I think there'll be a time and a place where you'll need free agents to complete this team. But I do think this team has a little bit to, um, has a little bit to work for before they get to that point. You got to really start solidifying this minor league system and these prospects to come up and develop and get a really good foundation of the team. So this team can continue to be good for, for multiple years. And, and it, and it, and it's shown, you know, the Angels only have one good season, you know, really one good season in the whole like Trout era when they made the playoffs. If this team had a good farm system, then they would be consistently in the playoffs. They, it wouldn't be a season where it was like, oh, everything needs to go right for them to make the playoffs. And everything made went right that season. But because of the lack of the prospects it's you know just as quick as you go up you can fall right back down and that's exactly what happened with the angels but again thank you guys thank you adrian thank you brian for calling into the voicemail line i really appreciate it again you can call us anytime 24 hours a day 951-384-0810 give me your hot take give me your question give me your reaction to any game that you just saw and we'll play it on this podcast so let's talk about the series that end the month of July, the very, very frustrating and, and disappointing month of July. It's finally, com- it's finally coming to an end, and it's coming to an end with a four-game series against the Texas Rangers back at Angel Stadium. And on Thursday, the Angels go for a third win in a row, and they're doing it with the right guy on the mound, and that is going to be Shohei Otani on the mound Thursday night against Texas. Spencer uh, Howard, who is one and two with a seven eleven ERA, twenty one strikeouts on the season. So you have to like the matchup there. Again, Shohei did did pretty good last time. He had that one bad inning, the one bad inning that Atlanta was able to get to him. But good news is, Texas is not Atlanta, and hopefully Shohei will be able to start a, another winning streak on Thursday night. Now going to Friday night's matchup, you have Patrick Sandoval going against left-hander Martin Perez from the Rangers. Martin Perez is 8 and 2 with a 2.59 ERA with 101 strikeouts, having a very very sneaky good year for the Texas Rangers and the Angels were going to have their hands full with this matchup again. I said it last podcast where we had a Patrick Sandoval start in that podcast. It's going to come down to how well does he control his emotions. When things are going well and he's able to have a good flow and um, put up positive results, he seems to be untouchable. It's when things start going, it can be just bad luck. 
It could be just a bloop single or just stuff like that that can really get underneath Patrick Sandoval's skin and seem to get him rattled. And hopefully he's able to get off to a very good start and able to find his group very early because if that's the case, you could be looking at another really good pitching duel on Friday night. So now we go to Saturday's game. Again, a four-game series against the Texas Rangers. Saturday night game, you have Reed Detmers uh, making another start for the Angels again. Since he's been back with the Angels, um, he's had a great, great, you know, performances out there on the mound, and he has been using that slider a little bit more. He has been able to kind of turn the corner and hats off to Buddy Carlisle, the Angels um, minor league pitching uh, consultant. Uh, Just so you know, Buddy Carlisle is – a traveling consultant for the angels through all the minor leaguers. He's not the triple a pitching coach. He goes to each level and talks to pitchers who might have been having some trouble, goes and evaluates pitchers as far as should they be brought up been brought down all that stuff. So uh, he seemed to really be able to have something click with Reed after sitting down with him for a day and whatever it was, it, it worked and hopefully Reed is able to continue that role going forward in the season again another young arm that the angels uh, have that shows a lot a lot of promise and he's going against glenn otto the right-hander who is four and seven with a 5.37 era with 52 strikeouts so they end the month of july with a sunday afternoon game and in this game you have noah Syndergaard making his start uh, at angel stadium me, I don't think he gets this far. I don't think he makes this start. Okay, let's put it this way. If he makes this start, I don't think he gets traded. If he does make this, or if he doesn't make the start, if he's a scratch, he gets traded. If I'm a team that is going to trade for Noah Syndergaard, I want as many starts out of them as I can. So if I am close to pulling that trigger and making a deal for Noah Syndergaard, I'm going to try to make it before his start on Sunday. So when he does come over to whatever the new team is, he can start the next day. So this is going to be a very interesting day, I think, at Angel Stadium if Noah Syndergaard makes a start on Sunday. Because, again, if I'm a team that wants Noah Syndergaard to pitch for me down the stretch, I don't want him wasting a start for the Angels. I want him pitching for me. And especially with it being that close, two days away from the trade deadline, uh, if he's going to go, he's not going to pitch on Sunday. So that's going to be a very interesting day. But if he does pitch for the Angels, he's going to go against Dan or Dane Dunning, a 1-6 record with a 4-3-8 ERA with 89 strikeouts. So again, wait and see. We'll see how this goes. The Angels are coming into the series with a 42-58 uh, and 58 record. The Texas Rangers are 43 and 54, so right, uh, right ahead of the Angels. But Sunday's going to be a, a a a big day. Obviously, the trade deadline on Tuesday. If anything happens, kind of crazy between now and then, we'll have a you know a breaking news type of podcast, and we'll talk about who's coming, who's going, if anyone comes, if anyone goes. There's going to be a lot of I think movements baseball wide um, this. Uh, this trade deadline and so how that how is that going to affect the angels you know obviously are the astros you know who are they buying who are they bringing over are 
the Seattle Mariners going to bring anyone over? Is the tech or is the um, Oakland A's going to get rid of the rest of their players? So there's going to be a lot of movement, I believe, by the deadline, and we'll talk about it here on the next podcast. And if it involves the Angels directly, we'll have a special podcast on that Tuesday, that trade deadline Tuesday. So otherwise, we'll be back Sunday night to record another episode to recap the Texas Rangers series. And again, you can always reach us on our voicemail line. That voicemail line number is in the description of this podcast. And you can reach us on our social media feeds. That is Halo underscore Haven, both on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can slide into those DMs anytime. So the good news is Angels are coming home after a series win. Bad news is there's still a lot of work to do. But we'll be here either way. I'll be here either way and i appreciate you guys coming along for the ride so that's gonna wrap it up for this this edition i am your host daniel garcia and this has been another edition of the all angels podcast Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers. Hunt for muddy puddles and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.